And we're back with Lobby Concessionals, the movie podcast where nobody's right and everybody's wrong. That's Brendan and I'm Parker. Uh, if you like what we're putting out, please like and subscribe, follow us along. YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, like a whole bunch of podcast <laughs> sites. Um, checked it yesterday. There's like there's like 15 that have us. I didn't even sign up for 15. Wait, we're on 15 things? Yeah. Yeah, I guess they. I think they just like pull from our website or pull from Apple or something. But there's like a whole bunch. Check our link tree. I don't even know if I could name five things. I fifteen. No, <laughs> and a lot of my bad names too. Anyway, if you happen to be like a pod box guy, <laughs> sorry that we uh, we've called you out now. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah, follow us along wherever podcasts are found, um, and in some places where they don't seem to be found at all, we're also there. So. Yeah. Uh, Brandon. Yeah. How do you feel about anime, buddy? Uh, like, as a, as a generality? Sort of, yeah, generality. Like, or, I guess, beyond what, or, sorry, give me how you feel, but also, what sort of anime have you watched? What's... Uh, I like anime quite a bit. I'd like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, uh, I wouldn't say I, it, uh, it's a driving force in my, my watching uh, habits or routine sure. or anything like that. I, I enjoy, uh, I used to enjoy it a lot when I was younger. Um, and younger, I mean like maybe 15 years, 20 years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, you know, enough. in my my teens, early 20s kind yeah, of a thing yeah, when, yeah. It was, when it popped off a little bit. I started early. I mean, we, we talked about uh, other stuff before, but, you know, I found it, I found Akira pretty young and Dragon Ball was huge. Sailor mm. Moon was huge when I was, when I was growing up. So, sure. Uh, a lot of that stuff was there. Yeah, uh, and so and then it blew up while I owned a comic book store. So oh yeah, so then you the manga, have to like, buy into Naruto it. was the thing. Like, yeah, the first series of Naruto was the thing when I had the comic book store. So and anime conventions were just popping up and all that stuff. Mm. So all of that stuff was it, I, I didn't I didn't feel like I was reading it or watching it because I had to, but I and I enjoyed it. Sure. Well, I and mean, as an owner of a comic <clears throat> book store, I feel like even if you did enjoy it, you would have to follow it to some capacity. Yeah. Um, uh, but it is good to hear that, you know, you were just following it yeah. to follow a trend and, you know, chase a buck sort of thing. Yeah. Um, uh, any shows in particular stand out? Sorry, you mentioned Dragon Ball, you mentioned Sailor Moon, uh, like in terms of your favorites or any movies or, you know? I like a lot of weird stuff. Okay. Uh, sure. Like, I mean, obviously I think everybody loves the Miyazaki stuff. Uh, yeah. the Studio Ghibli stuff. Uh, but my favorite animes, I have two. One is a sports one, and it's called Prince of Tennis, and it's just a tennis-based anime okay. about a high school tennis team, and they all have superpowers. Okay. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> and the other one, uh, if you think that's funny, is about baking. <laughs> <laughs> it's about a kid uh, who has uh, the perfect temperature hands for fermenting bread. So when he makes bread, it ferments as he's kneading it. So his bread is like the best bread in Japan. <laughs> So he goes out and there's a, just an entire baking competition and he's going out to find out the best bread in Japan and he's looking to make it. But he, so he goes around and he makes these breads and he calls them, uh, he calls his breads Japan and the number because he doesn't, he's from a small town so he doesn't know anything. So like he'll make a non bread or a roti, but he calls it like Japan 30 and he has no idea what he's doing like in terms of like naming <laughs> conventions and that these breads exist. But he keeps trying them and he keeps making them and he makes like the best version of Nan that you could possibly make and he blows everybody's mind. It's ridiculous. Isn't that cheating? 
Like, I don't know. I feel like... That's, I mean, it's like Michael Phelps being double-jointed, right? Like, uh, you're just, yeah, like okay. if you're, you're just genetically better at a thing that everybody else has. Yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess. Um, <laughs> so those are... he like, enters competitions? Sorry, I, I'm <laughs> going to be stuck on this for a second. Yeah, yeah. So, like, he, 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 goes, uh, he goes and he, he finds, like, an apprenticeship in, like, a small town or whatnot. And, and uh, the owner of that is, like, a big-time baker. And then they enter competitions and all that stuff. It's ridiculous. Huh. And I cannot recommend it enough. It's great. Huh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Um, sorry. Did you tell us the name of that? It's called Yakatadi Japan. Yakatadi. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> um, uh, you didn't ask, but I will just tell you. I'll go into your my uh my experience with anime. I, I I had a pretty similar one. I think that uh, um, growing up, I didn't really have a, a lot of access to TV. Um, my parents are got divorced when I was a kid, and so I had access to TV and cable at my dad's. Um, and we had a TV at my mom's, but we didn't have cable for a lot of years. Sure. Um, so uh, when I was at my dad's, which was less often, um, uh, we would be able to watch TV. So I watched whatever was on uh, YTV at the time. So, yeah. you know, I remember watching Pokemon. I remember watching Dragon Ball. Uh, or I think it was Dragon Ball Z, not Dragon Ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember watching Sailor Moon. Um, and I don't know if I associated any of that with anime at the time um, oh. i associated with cartoons cartoons you know so uh it, it wasn't any different um and in my experience i because you know i wasn't at my like i you know we did some evenings and some weekends at my dad's so yeah, it yeah. was like tuesdays and thursdays <laughs> and uh give me a guess on how many tv shows released new episodes on tuesday and thursday evenings well, I mean, few, few. <laughs> so it was never enough that we could follow a story. Sure. Um, so we would watch episodes essentially out of order all the time. Oh, I watched Yu-Gi-Oh too. Got into that card game too. You know? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, so I had some experience with it as a kid, uh, and then my brothers have really bought into it. They they love it, um, and I had a harder time connecting with it. I yeah. found. Um, and as I got older, I connected with, there was a couple series that I, I truly tried with. So I, I watched Death Note. Yeah. Um, I think basically all the way through, like, sorry, not all the way through. <laughs> I got through probably, I think, three seasons of it. And I couldn't tell you exactly. Um, but spoilers for Death Note. Um, it's pretty big spoiler, yeah. Uh, I, already know, I already know what you're going to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, fair warning. <laughs> um, uh, as soon as L dies... Uh, then that's basically where I stop. And my understanding is the show kind of tanks a little bit. Yeah, after that's that. the general consensus is you watch to that and then you're good to go. Yeah. You're good. So I did enjoy that a lot. Yeah. But aside from Death Note, um, I had a really hard time connecting to anime. I have, I've always had a hard time um, uh, connecting to the storytelling. I find I, I don't connect to the characters. And um, so we had just recently watched Akira. Yeah. Um, and, or sorry, I did. Uh, and we had just recently talked about it. Yeah, yeah. And it got me thinking about why some of the most revered films in this, I don't know if I'd necessarily call it a genre, but like we'll call it a style genre. of storytelling. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, in, yeah. in this style, I still have a hard time connecting with. And I, you know, I started wondering about, frankly, is there something wrong with me? You know, <laughs> like, is this a Parker problem? Yeah. Um, and so I, yeah, so I, I guess partially to start off some of the discussion, 
how have you ever had issues with connecting to shows, movies uh, in an anime style? Uh, in anime, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I, anime as itself is such a wide and varied thing. Like I said, like my two favorite ones were a sports one and a baking one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Totally. But like the, they're, they're different styles too, like between shonen and shoju. So like shonen are, are, is usually catered toward uh, males, like younger oh. males. So that's. That's the action. So that's like that's Naruto. That's Dragon Ball and all that stuff. And then okay. And then there's Shoju, which is geared towards females. Okay. So there's a lot of romance, a lot of a lot of that kind of stuff, um, <clears throat> which I enjoy too. But like they they do make a distinction. So like okay. it's not it's not an all encompassing thing. Sure. Uh, when you're doing anime specifically, uh, cinematically, you know, I don't. I, I there have been. I I've struggled with some of it. Uh, in terms of long drawn out stories and, and stuff like that, so you know, I, we talked about Akira. I love Akira, yeah, and I like the Ghibli films I mentioned earlier. But there's there's stuff that is, that is like revered that I I struggle with. Like uh, um, I forgot what it was, Princess uh, Kaguya. It's, it was a, it was a it was a I don't remember if it was a Ghibli specifically okay but it's 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 long. It's gorgeous, which they all are. Sure, but it's long and drawn out, and I. I I like it, but it, I struggle to keep up with it. Oh, okay. You know, so there, there, there are those things that happen. I think just like in any kind of movie genre sure. or anything like that. Specifically, struggle with anime. I think there is. I think when, uh, when growing up again, uh, the two that were coming out when I was in high school, it was, it was Gundam Wing and it was uh, Evangelion. Oh, okay. Right. Both have giant robots. Both have a lot of weird brooding dudes and drama and stuff like that. And yeah. honestly, I can't. I struggle with Evangelion. It's so slow mm. and drawn out. Whereas with Gundam Wing, it's it's a little bit more upbeat. It's a little bit faster paced. It's, sure. it's all that stuff. So there are times when I do, even when they're similar, I struggle with the the differences. Yeah, yeah, and like, and I think that um, it's worth noting that. Uh, that I don't have an issue with the anime style as a thing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, and it's really hard to paint it all with the same brush, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, if, if, I dis- if I didn't like detective movies, I wasn't going to enjoy a detective anime. Like, obviously, there's, there's going to be genre differences within that style. Yeah. Um, and and it's, it's worth noting those things. And on top of that, beyond even just genre differences, there's going to be quality differences. Yeah. Um, and there's plenty of, of revered films yeah. that I am not a huge fan of. Absolutely. That I personally don't really enjoy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that that's definitely not me. Like, I, I'm not saying anime as a whole thing is terrible. No, no absolutely not. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and again, there's obviously going to be things you enjoy and things you don't within that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I had a hard time connecting with Akira. So you and I had talked and, um, and you had referenced a few other, um, films. And, Mm. um, so I started thinking about, um, you know, is it a subtitle thing? Because sometimes I have a bit of an issue with subtitles because I'm ADD. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I find if, especially when I'm at home, if I am, uh, here I look around and I like I, basically if I'm anywhere but a theater I find myself staring off in the distance or, yeah, 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 yeah. or thinking about other things or looking at my phone or um uh in in little moments you know so if I then lose track of the subtitles I have a harder time so yeah, sure typically I do dubbed um which I know is going to upset some people <laughs> uh, but that th- solves that problem for me but I started thinking about um all sorts of foreign films uh 
and and I realized it wasn't a subtitle thing. It wasn't like it was a different language thing. Um, because there's Spanish films I've connected to. There's French films I've connected to. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a uh, Pakistani film uh, I watched in a film studies course that was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so it, it, it was not that. Um, and so really, what I ended up narrowing it down to, and here's where maybe I start looking worse, <laughs> um, <laughs> is it was uh, some of the more uh, it, like basically it's it's Chinese, Japanese, Korean, uh, yeah, and and it's a lot of that stuff, and even I would say probably just Chinese, Japanese mainly, yeah, um, because there's it has been Korean films I have connected to, sure. Now, unfortunately, if I list those movies, <laughs> the eagle-eyed among our audience will notice that it is one creator that has created, <laughs> <laughs> and and that's not my fault. That's just me. Uh, being ignorant and uh, not uh, seeing enough Korean cinema. Yeah. Um, but uh, Bong Joon Ho. Yeah. Is incredible. So yeah. you know that guy's great. <laughs> you know I don't want to pat myself on the back. Yeah. Say, but where is everybody else? <laughs> I am a purveyor of Korean yeah. cinema because all I three films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. I'm part of the problem. Um. Anyway, so. Uh, so anyway, I started looking into this, and what I found was that there is literally differences in how um, stories are told between yeah. the two. Um, are you familiar with yeah, this? Yeah, Eastern and Western storytelling. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, for, I guess, uh, for the audio people who are listening, sure, I am Asian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they might not know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I grew up with a lot of that stuff. And in case it wasn't clear by my general demeanor and attitude, I am white. <laughs> the Mohawk is what I... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, I, but I grew up with that stuff. Sure. Uh, so again, um, and uh, maybe again, the anime stuff is obviously not Chinese or Vietnamese to... But it's still like the a lot of the the storytelling structures is, are, are kind of adopted through Absolutely. Eastern storytelling. So yeah, so I I grew up with a lot of Chinese cinema. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, so my understanding is it ends up becoming even outside of it's not like it's a movie thing. It is a storytelling. It's a storytelling, thing. So, thing. and it's ingrained in the culture. Yeah. Um. So, uh. So basically, in order to do this episode, in order to do some of the research here, I first took a look into what is the storytelling mind used to. Um, so are you familiar with the hero's journey? Yeah. The Joseph Campbell yeah. hero of a thousand faces or whatever. Um, so for those that don't know, um, it, it's a storytelling structure that you will see everywhere. As soon as you hear about this and kind of get the uh, general idea, um, you'll see it in everything. Um, uh, Dan Harmon, creator of, um, or co-creator of Rick and Morty, creative community, um, uh, and the host of the podcast Harmontown, I believe um is famously uses this so in every episode of rick and morty in every episode of community the whole thing is built around a hero's journey structure yeah um and so the basic thing is is that we start in an ordinary world um you know with our ordinary characters yeah, yeah. um there is some sort of call to adventure there is um some sort of problem that that uh amounts uh our hero generally refuses the call uh, there is, um, at some point they meet a mentor, uh, they cross a threshold into a alternate world into, they basically are start, um, uh, encountering adventure. Um, there are tests, allies, and enemies, uh, and they encounter all of these as they go along. There is an ordeal. 
um, which is essentially the climax, a reward, um, the road back to the um, the the real world, yeah, the yeah. ordinary world, um, and then the actual return, the return to form, the return to character. Um, you see this in, in Lord of the Rings is a good example. I'm looking just at um, Sam and Frodo. Um, like all of them kind of go through it, but the yeah, easiest yeah, yeah. one is Sam and Frodo and then coming back to the, to the Shire. And, um, uh, you know, there's a, a moment, uh, I think the films do this beautifully, where they're sitting at the pub um, and they're sort of looking around while everyone's living their lives. Yeah. And they realize they've changed as people, yeah. but that the world around them hasn't. And yeah. so in some ways they've grown out of it. Yeah. Um, anyway. Only, only you on a movie podcast could have went Luke Skywalker here, but you went Rick and Morty. I did mention Rick and Morty. I did, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like, yeah, you're right. Luke Skywalker would have been the uh, the go-to. I, I'm going to talk about Star Wars later. So, but no, you're actually you're absolutely correct. So that is the quintessential hero's journey, right there. Yeah. Is, is Luke Skywalker. Um, now this can get distilled down. Like I had mentioned a number of steps. Effectively what it is, is yeah. you got a normal dude, you have a call to adventure, you have them facing allies. There's a reward. They come back having learned something. Yeah. And, um, uh, so I think Dan Harmon breaks it down into eight specific steps and he uses that in everything. Yeah. Um, very noticeably George Lucas follows this, uh, exact structure. Yep. Um, interestingly, and we'll talk a little bit about this later. Um, but, uh, oh God, now I'm completely forgetting his name. Um, nope, no, it's fine. Uh, excuse me. The seven samurai director. Oh my God. I know. Kurosawa. Kurosawa. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Kurosawa interestingly uses this. Yeah. Um, and again, we'll talk a little bit about that later. Um, anyway, I think the big thing that really hits me with, um, Western cinema or Western storytelling mm-hmm. is everything is conflict based and everything revolves around character effectively. Is yeah, yeah, really yeah. what it comes down to is that conflict is vitally important. Um, so, you know, in any superhero movie, there needs to be some sort of problem, right? And they encounter that in the first 20 minutes and first half an hour. Um, but it's literally in any movie. There's always, you know, uh, the proposal with Ryan Reynolds and Sandra Bullock. I know I've mentioned this a couple times now on this show and it's a little getting a little weird, but it was the first thing that popped into my head. Um, it's almost about know. to become a t-shirt. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, for those that are intimately familiar with that film as I am, uh, we all know that Sandra Bullock needs to marry uh, her secretary, Ryan Reynolds, uh, because otherwise she's going to get deported. Um, that's the central problem they have there. And that, sets off everything else in the in the film yeah um so brendan i don't want to put you on the spot here but since i've sort of introduced western storytelling and talked a little bit about that yeah yeah are you familiar enough with eastern storytelling styles to deliver that or yeah we could go we could could try it we could try it maybe maybe i won't use the proposal um (laughs) perfect Uh, film so in in eastern storytelling um it's not so focused on a character. Sure, it's focused on uh, either a group or a collective or uh, or a or a, a a mission or a yeah. an idea. Yeah, an idea uh, in terms of that stuff. Uh, so the 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 structure is kind of the same, but it's not so much conflict uh, like a like somebody stole something from you or whatever. Yeah. It's almost like an inner turmoil. Uh, so like endings like i'm jumping around here a little bit so 
I also jumped, so you're yeah. fine, you know? <laughs> you know, uh, when you talk about the Western storytelling and the hero's journey, everything gets wrapped up in the neat little package after right. the big, big conflict and all that stuff. In, in, in Eastern storytelling, it's, it's usually a little bit darker mm. and leaves a little bit uh, leaves a little bit of ambiguity for the viewer or the reader to try to find their own meaning sure. of what that ending is. So it's almost like it. the story gives you, the consumer, something to think about in terms of the conflict as opposed to just telling you that that hero finished his mission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, here's <clears throat> the entire resolution. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Sauron was defeated. Yeah. Uh, the... Middle Earth returned yeah. to normal, and we we can go through specific uh, specific ex- uh, examples later. But yeah, usually it's it's a darker a darker ending, uh, and and it and it forces the viewer to kind of sit and think about why they went through what they just went through, hmm. uh, and maybe that might be exactly like that's a lot of work sometimes. Absolutely, sure, yeah, right, totally. So I wonder. Yeah, so I mean, um, so one of the things that while well, I was doing some research on this that I thought was really interesting. Um, was that uh, one of the papers I ended up reading about this talks about how Asian culture uh, looks at life as a chain of events, transience, states of being. They look at reincarnation. Yep. All of those things become themes that are, yep. are used in, in, in films. Um, Japan in particular accepts uh, uh, impermanence, different perspectives of beauty, symmetry, nature, um, and our, as humans, yep. impact on those things. Yeah. Um, and so... In some ways, a conflict isn't even needed, no. which blows my mind. Yeah. Um, because when I sit down to tell someone about a movie, I I generally try and rely try to, a little bit on plot. You that, know, ele- and, that elevator pitch, right, with a little bit of conflict. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but if suddenly I'm telling someone about a movie that, um, yeah, nothing really happens. There's no <laughs> thing they're trying to solve. Um, it's just the the entire movie is an examination of of humankind's. Uh, impact on uh, on symmetry and and the beauty of nature. That becomes a bit of more rough of an elevator pitch, as far as I'm concerned. That's a hard sell, you know. Um, but so going back to it, the the crazy thing is to me is the lack of conflict, um, because in every every story basically yeah. I've ever heard or enjoyed or followed, um, there is conflict. There needs to be conflict, um, and so it is mind-blowing to me that, that there is a whole chunk of the world that literally looks at stories completely separate from that. Yeah. They remove that, what I consider to be a vital ingredient. Yeah. And they just went, yeah, no, we're fine. <laughs> you know? And, and it's weird. It's, just like, it's not like conflict isn't there, but the conflict is different. Whether Absolutely. It's, it's internal or it's bureaucratic. Yeah. Or if it's whatever, but it isn't, it isn't a bad guy doing bad things mm-hmm. that needs to be stopped. Uh, and I think that's really hard to wrap your head around sometimes. Again, like, like you just said, right? So we're going to watch a two-and-a-half-hour movie where there's no villain. Yeah. <laughs> or no, like, specific <laughs> villain. It's sort of a shadowy government or a shadow, yeah, yeah. you know? Like, um, yeah. And, and so that blows my mind. Um, and so for those that are familiar with, like, cultural differences in general, not specifically storytelling, but um, uh, uh, Japanese and Chinese culture in particular is um, uh, collectivist. Uh, so there is much more of a uh, the 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 greater good sort of thing, um, you know. Uh, whoever, whatever benefits the the most amount of people is the best thing. Um, while in Western culture, it's far more individualistic. Yeah. That if you know someone shoves everyone else down in order to get ahead, 
um, then that's fine. And that's life. And that's the way things go, you know? Um, and like, there's lots of examples. Look at like Jeff Bezos. Um, that guy is basically grown to success off of the suffering of other people, you yeah. know? Um, so, uh, so I find that really interesting and, and it makes sense that there is, um, that those, those differences in storytelling then, because culturally there is those differences. Yeah. Um, I should have noted this earlier, uh, but I do want to make really quick. We, neither of us are experts on either of these things. So there, on some level, there is going to be a, uh, painting a lot of things or a lot of people with the same brush. Yeah. Um, so I don't mean to say... <laughs> you know, every Japanese person feels this way, or this is how all Japanese people think. Yeah. Um, it's just your, our experience. Yeah. Well, and it is generally true for the culture. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, you know, I am not an expert on this, but I did look up things written by experts <laughs> and found research yeah, yeah, by yeah. experts. So there is some facts here that are going to seem yeah. a little stranger, mm. you know, as is the case with the show all the time. Right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so the other thing I found really interesting, and, I, and I'm going to talk about a little bit about here right here is really because of that individualistic versus collectivist, there ends up being far less of a focus on individual characters. So I left Akira and realized that I had almost no idea <laughs> about who that main character was. Yeah. First of all, I literally can't remember his name right now. Um, but that's not even the point. Um, like I can't remember lots of people's names lots of times. Um, I honestly think halfway through the show, I forget who you are most of the time. So um, luckily I can roll with it though. So we haven't had a problem yet. Yeah. Um, but the fact that by the end of that, the only thing we know about the lead character is that he has a cool bike and he's in a biker gang. Yeah. And that's basically it. I, I remember being kind of surprised that like they described it as a biker gang, but I'm like, but are they, are they bad? You know, like they, are they, is, are they actively criminals or is this just sort of accepted as a part of society for people to survive in this time? Like sure. is, is um, I literally just couldn't connect to who they were as people. And you, but, and you need that defined for you, like specifically, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah. Again, where I think in Eastern storytelling, you do have, uh, you do have good and evil, but it is, there are lots of shades of gray. Yeah, lots totally. of shades of gray again, where I think it, they're making the viewer work for it. Mm-hmm. You know, well, and I'm okay with shades of gray, but on some level, I want to kind of know where I stand with this person. Um, so the fact that in Akira, you never really get an idea of like he's he does some some nice things, he helps some people, um, <laughs> but I don't like how does society view him? Um, I never really get the view of 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 who he is. And that doesn't matter in the movie. And that, again, still blows my mind. And I have a really hard time connecting. Sure. I, I think of Drive, for instance. Yeah, I, yeah. The first thing that I thought of when I was thinking of motorcycle jackets, you know? <laughs> so, um, but it is clear where he stands in society. Yeah. Um, uh, Ryan Gosling's character in that is noticeably a bad person. Um, yeah. You know, he is, there is things he enjoys. He, you know, is clearly interested in Carrie Mulligan. Aren't we all? Um, but, uh, uh, you know, and he has a functioning job, yeah. but he is definitely on the outskirts of society. He is a loner. He is a, yeah. um, you know, a bad person. He's a criminal. He's a murderer. Yeah. You know? But, but in like, you know, he, he is all those things and he is a bad person, but he's 
put right next to a worse person yeah. in that movie. Yeah. For you to see the for you to again, it's I don't want to say it's hand holding because that that feels like I'm talking down to the audience. Sure. But it is just telling you that hey, this this as bad as this guy is, he's still the guy you're rooting for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? absolutely, and and it gives you opportunities to agree with that beyond yeah. the fact that it's like, well, this is the protagonist of the movie, so <laughs> yeah. get used to it. Um, there is opportunity to see good in him, yeah. Um, and and to see things that you can relate to and, and connect with. Um, and I don't see that a lot in in a lot of Eastern storytelling, and. The reason I don't see that is because in plenty of cases, it's not there. Like, it's not <laughs> supposed to be there. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so not having the opportunity to let, – let, let, let me just put it this way. I love having my hand held. <laughs> hand holding is nice. Uh, you're a big cuddler. So. Uh, absolutely. You know? Um, so, uh, so I will absolutely have my hand held all the way through a movie and enjoy it. Yeah. Both literally and by the movie, you know, figuratively. Yeah. <laughs> Um. So yeah, so my experience walking, watching Akira was tougher because of that. Um, I also watched Paprika, which yeah. I, for the record, just to kind of give the audience a, you know, maybe a disclaimer. I had been initially introduced to this film as this is the movie that Christopher Nolan stole Inception <laughs> from, um, which is not a good way of introducing that film. There is definitely similarities, and yeah. I see, I've seen, you know certain juxtapositions of yeah, yeah. here's a bit from Paprika, here's the bit from Inception. And I could see there being an influence in terms of, sure. you know, if Nolan saw that, I think he'd have a hard time. Um, like if we can prove that he saw <laughs> Paprika before uh, seeing Inception, we'd have a hard time not yeah, yeah, yeah. seeing that there was, um, it helped, you know, it, it pushed certain, yeah, it motivated yeah. certain scenes. But they are so far from the same movie. Yeah. And it is very noticeably not at all the same. They're just both about dreams, basically. Yeah. And a machine that lets people go into each other's dreams. <laughs> and that's basically it. Yeah. Um, uh, but I really enjoyed Paprika. Whoa, okay. Um, and it, I, had a, I had a good time with it. But by the end, I was still like, man, this is... Narratively, there's nonsense. Like, what is going on? <laughs> Um, and and that is a movie that I found they followed characters far more than a lot of um, a lot of anime does, or you know, a lot of Eastern storytelling does. They definitely did have a character focus, yeah. But even then, never really connected to them. Um, I also find I don't know if you've had this experience, but they kind of throw you in the middle of uh, of the story in a lot of uh, Japanese films, yeah, uh, and Chinese. I'm just going to call it anime for now, and then we'll <laughs> we'll get there. The we'll get there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, they just chuck you in, and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this has all been going on, and on some level, I like it because I'm like, oh wow, this is a world that existed before I have, yeah. you know. But you, but you've struggled with that and other stuff, you like where where we we've talked about something like The Wire before. Oh yeah, where you know they put you in the deep end right away and expect you to know all these terminology and all of this, yeah. these relationships and how it all works. And they never, ever go back and tell you anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's all supposed to be figured <laughs> out by context. Yeah. And, and I think with the wire, I got it generally. Sure. Um, but it was, a, it was still a hard thing. Oh yeah. I was overwhelmed. <laughs> those, those first couple episodes I was like, man, I don't know if I can do this. You know? <laughs> it's just like not handholding. It's just like, Opposite ends of the theater, just yeah. like deal with it yourself, yeah. and you'll come back to it later. They really just brought me out on the dock and like, "Hey, are you interested? In maybe dipping your toe in?" And I was like, "That sounds nice." And then they shoved me, you know. Like, yeah. 
Oh, God. Um, but you're totally right. And I think that in general, I probably prefer a little bit more. I like being romanced by the film first you know i want them to first date dinner oh yeah and then yeah. the hand holding a little <laughs> yeah. bit you know and then we'll work our way up yeah um so uh you know using the same analogy uh, <laughs> uh the wire is a little bit more you know of a one night stand where like we're just straight in there you know um yeah so do you have these experiences like what was your experience with paprika uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I mean, I, at that point, I'd, I'd been pretty ingratiated into that stuff already. Sure. Um, so uh, it wasn't, I mean, so much of that movie is visuals as well. You know, uh, oh, absolutely. You know, so it can carry a lot of that stuff, uh, which, uh, which I kind of enjoy about anime as well, or, or uh, Japanese animated films. I, it's yeah. tough to call. I, it's weird. I, when I think of anime, I think of the serialized. Oh, like TV kind TV of stuff. stuff. Yeah. I when I think of the movies, I don't. I don't. It's just like an animated feature still. Yeah, right? it's, yeah, it's a yeah. weird thing. I don't, and I don't know what the right one is. I don't know if they consider that stuff anime. I don't think they do. I don't think they do. Yeah, and it could be that we're gonna you know, step <laughs> on just, some toes. Yeah, for sure. Which is just a piss poor job of figuring it out. But mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I uh, I really enjoy it. But I, so much of Japanese animated cinema is carried by the visuals because they're just so gorgeous. Well, and in yeah. Paprika in particular, I think one of the things they nailed was the feeling of being in a dream. Um, yeah, so, the mo- anything with movement in Paprika oh, is boy. ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, they did an incredible job. So the the scene that I saw most frequently cited as inspiring Inception was also one of my favorites. Um, uh, it's with the, the, the wall walk, yeah, yeah, and so he's like trying to run down, and then the hallway starts like bunching up yeah. underneath him, so he's effectively on a treadmill. Yeah. Um, and I've had dreams like that, and that was crazy to watch <laughs> that happening in the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because I was like, get out of my head. <laughs> like, it, it was not, it wasn't a comfortable feeling. Almost. No. Um, and so you're totally right. That visual aspect ends up carrying a lot of those. Yeah. Um, story-wise, did you enjoy or connect to Paprika? I don't know about connect. Uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I had, I... I uh I guess I was I I did I did watch Paprika before Inception. Okay. So I, you that know, might help. <laughs> I, I don't know that it helped. Uh, you know I and I I honestly even after years later watching Inception I never put two and two together. Yeah, they're very different. Movies. You know yeah, even yeah. even even with the hallway scene and the 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 Gordon Levitt scene in the in the hallway like yeah I, like I didn't even draw parallels and I, maybe it was because I was years removed from it and whatnot but uh, I didn't uh, I it never crossed my mind that they were one influenced the other sure um so i i enjoyed it as it's as its own thing yeah and i like i really enjoyed it as its own thing it's a uh it's easily one of the better uh (laughs) japanese animated films yeah but again still by the end i was like okay well i think one of the the craziest things or a a weird thing for me is there's a lot of movies that i i end or by the end of it i'm like if every one of those characters died i wouldn't care yeah. Um, and that has historically marked a bad movie to me where, you know, if I truly don't care if they no longer existed, what what was the point? Yeah. Um, but I find there's a lot of that in like Paprika, for instance. It did not bother me if they had died, you know, like not at all. Um, I enjoyed the watch, but, you know. Well, I mean, I think that's an actual like uh, in uh, in older stuff there. Uh, there. 
there is a tendency in Easton storytelling to just start offing people in the middle of the story. Uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like, that was clear. Yeah, so it, it, it isn't about a personal connection. It, mm. it is about making the audience work for it. Uh, I don't know if we're ready to move on in terms of uh, c- comparisons, but when I think about uh, an easy one for me is The Departed and Infernal Affairs. Oh, sure, yeah. And the differences between, like, and we, we can start talking about remakes uh, from, from Asian cinema. Like, when I when I think of the differences, and I like both movies, I love both movies, um, but the, the differences in, in the two of them are the characters. Mm. Uh, you know, so like when I when I think of Matt Damon's character in The Departed, sure, he's an asshole from the beginning of that movie, and he's an asshole by the time the movie ends. Yep, there's no in between. He doesn't have an arc. You yeah. know, he doesn't have an arc. Uh, in Infernal Affairs, uh, you literally every five minutes, every time uh, Andy Lau is on the screen, you are wondering if he's going to flip. Mm. It, and it's constant. And it's not so much about the character as it is so much about the, the thought of, 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 again, the shades of gray, good and evil, making you think about it through the whole movie. Sure. So by the time halfway through the movie or three quarters of the movie, you're you're rooting for both guys. Mm. Yeah. As a, like, you just want everybody to work out. And in, in the part of, that, that doesn't exist. There's yeah. a very clear, that guy's the dick. That yeah. guy's struggling to be a good guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deal with it. <laughs> and there, there is definitely still shades of gray in that. Like, um, DiCaprio's character deals with, um, you know, a sense of right and wrong. Like, clearly, he's just sure. trying to survive. But at the same time, um, he's not someone that wants to do the things he's doing either. Um, so there is definitely some uh, elements of uh, struggling with the morality of, of you know, being undercover. Yeah. Um, so and, and and struggling with having to do evil things for the sake of good. Yeah. Um. But you're right. It is far more black and white in terms of yeah. these are the guys you're rooting <laughs> for. You know, like um. Uh. So there is a massive difference there, and I think those two movies are hard too, just because um they're both masterpieces. Yeah. You know. So uh, like, can we really? Are we really gonna put Martin Scorsese <laughs> against anyone else? Like, uh, well, I mean, if you want, we could talk about the two old boys. One, uh, one amazing, one not good at all. <laughs> I literally didn't even see the remake because of all of the terrible things. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah, it's real, real I bad. Heard. And I mean, like, if um, we'll just we'll just talk about we'll just go spoiler heavy because nobody's gonna watch that Spike Lee version. So uh, yeah, and you shouldn't. You definitely shouldn't. Uh, but yeah, spoilers for Old Boy. Great movie though. So honestly, if you do want to watch it, yeah, pause the movie, go watch it right now, or pause a podcast, go watch it right now, come back and listen to the rest of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. So even the uh, the the weird the weird ending, the twi- yeah. the twist of it. If you think about in the in the remake, um, you know the reason he's in the predicament he's in is because he did something bad or did something bad to somebody else who got revenge on him. So basically, he ratted out the bad guy's dad and daughter for having an ancestral relationship. Oh, okay. That spread around uh, the school, and then the dad basically murdered the, the the sister and himself, and so that's why the brother. Oh, okay. Is doing is it. doing what he's sure. doing, and uh, there's a moment. There's there's no moment of like reflection on Josh Brolin's character. There's no way he's he he barely he does. I don't think he apologizes or anything like that. In the original film, it's slightly different where the bad guy is the one having an ancestral relationship with his sister. 
Yeah, and uh, and our our protagonist sees them and sp- and tells the school. Correct. Yeah, and right? then she kills herself. And correct? then she kills herself. Yeah. Uh, but when 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 confronted with it, he cuts his tongue out mm. for as as a remorseful thing yeah. that he does, and that doesn't exist. And that's just the, that's just the differences. Like and now, like he realizes, oh, I'm the bad guy here. Yeah, the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Even yeah, though totally. we just spent two hours watching me try to avenge my whatever, I'm the bad guy. Yeah, and I'm, 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 that just isn't a message that comes across in the new one. And that's a great point, actually. It makes me think of um, uh, I Am Legend, the the Will Smith film uh, from 2007, I believe. Um, and it's based on a, uh, a novel of the same name. Yeah. Um, and the novel is brilliant uh, because of its ending. And again, spoilers for a, I don't know, 50-year-old novel <laughs> at least. Um, but by the end of that that book he's straight up fighting vampires in 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 the book yeah um they're sort of vampire zombie things in the movie but they are definitely vampires in the book and uh by the end of it they he's been captured by them after trying and failing to cure vampirism basically um and and in the process massacring lots and lots and lots of vampires um and he gets captured by them uh and he wakes up in a prison cell and ends up realizing basically that they have a functioning society, that they are a, that vampires have now essentially taken over the world and are the dominant species. Yeah. Um, but that uh, the reason it's called I Am Legend is he is the boogeyman. He is the the monster yeah, that yeah, goes yeah. bump in the night. Um, he's the one, he's become what we look at vampires as. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, what I always thought was cowardly is the fact that the movie shies away from that. Um, so there was that ending or a similar ending was shot at one point. And yeah, they yeah. decided not to do it. And they decided for a far more normal or um, yeah. Hollywoodized, I guess, yeah. ending of he escapes, you know, his safe house. He goes to another settlement of humans sure. with the cure and everything. Like the implication is that everything's they're going to be able to cure everyone and everything's <laughs> going to go back to normal. Um, and... Uh, so it actually brings up one of the potential issues with Western storytelling, in particular uh, American and Hollywood storytelling, sure. is that uh, they don't like non-happy endings. No. Um, so not it at is all. definitely something that uh, the good guy has to win, or not always. Um, and and that's not always the case. You know, sometimes the good guy loses or dies or whatever. But in most cases. Um, there has to be some sort of happy ending. There has to be, you know, good has to triumph over evil. Yeah. Um, and and my understanding is, is in a lot of European cinema, that's not necessarily true. No. They would still be categorized as Western storytelling. Sure. Um, but that little end bit does not need to end up yeah. with the good guys winning. It can absolutely be. Yeah. I mean, and there's no better example than the Disneyfication of fairy tales. The oh, great the, point. The the Grimm's fairy tale stuff for the Hans Christian Andersen, which is traditionally European and have horrendous endings. Yeah, yeah <laughs> horrendous endings, and then you bring them over and and you 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 gussy them up and you put them in a fairy tale setting, and everybody gets married at the end, and yeah, all that stuff. And now people think those are the endings to those things, and they're just not. Well, and so it, <laughs> as an example, I believe how it works in Cinderella is uh, when they, the story is very similar. Um, when the prince is coming around town with the glass slipper, yeah. though. 
he uh the wicked stepsisters um literally chop off portions of their, their feet foot to foot uh, to try yeah. and fit it, fit it. yeah um so that's horrifying <laughs> uh but theoretically that's still like a you know a fairy tale ending a little bit because those yeah. are the bad people yeah um but i believe how it is in the original story is uh cinderella is in immense pain while wearing these things yeah um and then just is wearing them for the rest of her life so she lives <laughs> with the prince but is just always you know dying yeah basically in just a pain uh so <laughs> That's rough. Like, <laughs> is that better? I don't even know. No, I think like something. Like, I think Little Mermaid turns into like sea foam at the end. Oh yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Like, she, 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 she tries sacrifice, to sacrifice herself sacrifice. for the boy, and then he runs off with someone else. <laughs> yeah. I think. Yeah. And, yeah, and she turns into sea foam. Yeah, and dies at the end. Ugh. Give me that director's cut. That's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in the live action version they're going to do that. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. Now that we're talking about comparisons and stuff, I, I think that we should go back to Kurosawa. Yeah, um, let's do it. Because uh, I, for, and again, I'm going to lose credibility. <laughs> the more I talk on this podcast, I sound like more and more like an idiot. Um, but I watched Seven Samurai for the first time. Sure. Uh, not too long ago. And so famously, Seven Samurai is, uh, you know, every director's favorite movie. <laughs> um, you know, George Lucas used a whole lot of Kurosawa stuff and inspired a lot of Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, first of all, like we mentioned earlier, Kurosawa is interesting because he does use more Western storytelling techniques. Yes. Um, you do find out more and you, you identify with those characters, uh, with the samurai, um, as individuals. They do end up having personalities that in a lot of Japanese films or in a lot of Japanese storytelling individuals don't yeah um and uh and interestingly it inspires that storytelling um uh structure inspires a lot of hollywood storytelling from there yeah um and it's famously remade into the magnificent seven i think it's uh only a decade later it might yeah. be 15 years though um and so i'm assuming you've seen both yes okay Again, bye-bye credibility. <laughs> I enjoyed The Magnificent Seven more. Because you're an idiot. Yeah. No, I just... <laughs> so, I get it. I get it. Let me just defend myself really quick. I think the, the biggest thing is I really did like Seven Samurai quite a lot. Um, it was uh, uh, a great movie. I loved the uh, the different samurai characters. I loved the fact that we got a, uh, a wide variety of them. You yeah, know, yeah. We got... Like, uh, Someone that's a little bit more noble and a little more, uh, uh, I, I think, what people would picture as the classic, uh, like a, a, a stereotype almost of yeah, a samurai. Yeah. And then we get, you know, uh, a drunken buffoon running around. Um, and I love that they all kind of come together. I love that there's, um, uh, that they are very human. Yeah. Um, that, you know, I was kind of worried that maybe they'd be betrayed as uh, uh, the saviors of this village and that would be kind of it. Um, but they also screwed things up a lot. A lot. Um, and, and I love that. And it, yeah. it, there was a lot of character in there. There was a lot of heart. Um, but I think a lot of what it came down to is the fact that Seven Samurai is three and a half hours long. And Magnificent Seven is two hours. And they tell the same story. <laughs> so it was just way... You're a big Chris Pratt guy, too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> For context... <laughs> I watched the original Seven Samurai, <laughs> not the 2017. I think it was a Netflix remake. No, it was in theaters. Was it theaters? Yeah, it was oh, theatrical. Okay. 
Um, yeah, no, the original. <laughs> the original is what I watched. Um, and, but I, I, I did really enjoy it. The other yeah. big thing that I, I one of the bigger noti- uh, changes I noticed was the fact that uh, each of the uh, gunslingers in uh, Magnificent Seven gets sort of their own introduction. Yeah. Um, each of them has a little... Um, uh, I can't think of another word other than meat cute. It's not a meat cute. <laughs> but but they have their their moments, uh, their their suit up sequence. Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a chance for the audience to be like, "Oh, this guy's badass." Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, and I loved that. I loved that it was a quick introduction. It gave us a, a chance to see what each one is good at and the, get the various um, uh, personalities. Yeah. Um, uh, and Stephen Queen, man, Stephen Queen. Yeah, I mean, I think well, I think the. The Hollywood, the Hollywoodification of, of Seven Samurai is because you know you do have other stars like you, so you do have to showcase. It's not just a Yul Brenner movie. Yeah, it's a Steve McQueen movie. It's a Charles Bronson movie. Totally. It's a James Coburn movie. So you have to like those guys are gonna fight for a little bit of, of screen time. Yeah. Whereas Seven Samurai, it's just like it's just Toshiro Mifune and the other six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they might be like, and I don't know. I mean, I love that movie and 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 Kurosawa stuff, but. You know, uh, Mifune is the is the star. Yeah. Oh, very noticeably yeah, the star, distinctly of of that. And 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 but in 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 a big Hollywood remake, you know, much like the 2017 remake, it's a loaded cast. Yeah, it is. As opposed to just being like one guy and then six other dudes. Well, and even with that being said, though, I still do think it's worth noting that Magnificent Seven comes out, uh, or it, it it very it was very distinct to me that we had two stars. Um, it was Yul Brenner and Stephen Queen. Sure. They really do stand out yeah, about yeah, the rest. Yeah. Even just character-wise, those two come out as sort of the leaders of this group. Yeah. And they, they're the ones that bring them all together. And um, uh, But one big thing I expected was um, in Seven Samurai, they make a whole big deal about how the fact that the um, village doesn't have much money. So they can't really hire the samurai. No, this um, is huge. This so, is a huge difference. Yeah, so yeah. they are brought in... Um, and they just eat food, basically. Like yeah. they're just given. They get shelter and food. Shelter and food. Um, while in uh, Magnificent Seven, they are hired. However, I I remember I had read about this difference. What I found interesting was is they are not hired for much at all. Like <laughs> no. they basically get like the the wage is effectively like me handing a movie pass to you know someone at the end of eight hours of labor. <laughs> like yeah, it was something, um, but. You know, like, you know what it is? It's it's me asking my buddies to help me move. Yeah, you know, and so like you get pizza and beer, yeah. and then yeah, if you walk away with a movie pass at the end of it, sure, like it it doesn't it's not nothing. Yeah, but it definitely didn't pay for <laughs> you having to lug around my mattress. Yeah, you know, um, so I I really expected it to be like a very noticeable. These guys are mercenaries, but they were still they were doing this really out of the goodness of their hearts. Yeah, you know, they weren't doing it for the money. Yeah, um. But yeah, that I, I found that distinction interesting as well. Um, but so much of it came down to the fact that I'm like, I don't know if Seven Samurai needed three and a half hours to tell the story. Um, now, in fairness to Seven Samurai, it was a different time. And the other thing is that movie is built with an intermission. Yeah. Um, so it was always designed to be watched for just about two hours. You take a break, you come know. Back. Yeah, yeah you, you go and you make yourself a sandwich and then you go back and you watch the rest of the film. Yeah. Um, while Magnificent Seven, like there was, like I said, 10 or 15 years between the two. So it, it did mark a change a little bit in Hollywood. 
um, where movies were shortening times. Yeah. So it is worth acknowledging that that might not be a product of Kurosawa's decision-making and more a product of that's how films were made at the time. Right. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, I guess really what my, my point here is, is what this all comes down to um, is even in a film where, like Seven Samurai, where we're talking about Western storytelling, where it's a Japanese film that follows Western storytelling tropes, I still had a harder time connecting. Yeah, because, I mean, you can follow the structure all you want, right? Yep. But at the end of the day, if, if I mean, that small difference, right? It's still, it's still for... It's still for a concept and an idea. They're doing it for the good of a group. Yep. And regardless of how much they got paid, they're still doing it. It's an individual. It, it's a, it's still for the individual. In yeah. Magnificent Seven. Oh yeah, absolutely. Right? So and those people are definitely there for their own gain. <laughs> you know. Like, yeah. And partially, that's a gunslinger thing, and it's like, oh, I don't care about anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, they aren't. Like they're doing it out of the goodness of their hearts, but if some of those villagers died, they don't care at all, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'll quickly just just to do a really, really, I think, an important distinction are the difference between the Japanese Godzilla films and Ooh. the American Godzilla films. This is a good, interesting point. Yeah, right. Like when when Godzilla debuts in '54 in Japan, he's he's a he's a cautionary tale of a nuclear holocaust. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, in Japan. Uh, and I don't know that he's ever been portrayed as that in the American versions. Uh, and if the, and if it is, it's very loose. Yeah. Uh, but it is focused on him, Godzilla's hero journey, which is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and I love those movies. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But at the end of the day, that's not what he was created for or anything like that. Um, so when we when we talk about even I'm like and and here's a really good example of a movie I disconnected with. Oh, sure. And people loved was Shin Godzilla. It oh, a, it was a big deal in 2016, 2017. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. And everybody was like, oh, that's the return of the, of the Japanese Godzilla. And it looks, it's great and stuff. Then I struggled with it because at the end of the day, number one, he's barely in it. And it's a movie about Japanese bureaucracy and yeah. the politics and the government. And I I don't know anything about that stuff, man. Yeah, totally. So at the end of the day, I'm watching a movie that's three hours long about uh, the how a Japanese government works. And I'm like, where's Godzilla? Yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> you know, so that that's a really good example of, of of that weird Eastern storytelling that that does take me out of it sometimes because it is so heavily that. Well, and I think that the Shin Godzilla uh, point is is very interesting just because uh, it came two or three years after we had got a new Westernized yeah. Godzilla. Um, so again, where it was about the monster and he's the good guy, and yeah. it's about him fighting other monsters, yeah. you know. Um, and like the, the nu- nuclear disarmament thing is sort of in there. Like there's definitely like a bit of a theme of it, sure. but it is it's probably pulled off better on. if there was an actor in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, um, uh, like it, it, I find it very interesting that within three years we have two polar opposite Godzilla films. Yeah. Um, and and it's interesting to hear you didn't connect to it that way. Yeah. Um, now, granted, you love Godzilla, so yeah, I if do. they have a Godzilla <laughs> movie and they don't have a lot of Godzilla in it, it's always going to be a Which, bad time. You know, it's it's tough because I actually quite like that American one, the the first one. Yeah. Sure. Uh, and he's barely in it as well. I kind of uh, you know. Uh yeah. I, I yeah. but I but I dig the lead up to it. and I dig you know I. I think it's tough when that movie comes out. I quite enjoy it 
Uh, and the biggest complaint was that there's not enough Godzilla. So subsequently in the the, the, the sequels and leading up to it, they just give them to you in the yeah. trailers and all that. So I'm like, all right, here, have it. Yeah. Here's all this of it. what you wanted. <laughs> and I think those movies, like I like those movies, but I do think they suffer a little bit for it because the, that, the, the tension's gone. Yeah, I agree. The tension of all that stuff. Like for as, for as much as I complained about the, the, the slow parts of Shin Godzilla, when that weird slug fucking googly-eyed Godzilla finally pops out of the water, I'm like, yeah, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, it is it is weird to 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 to, to see the differences mm. and to hear about the differences from from Eastern audiences and Western audiences. Yeah, yeah. And so I think ultimately, what what a lot of this comes down to is that um, first of all, if you happen to be like me and you have a hard time connecting with uh, Japanese films, uh, animated or otherwise, there is a reason for that. Like, you're not crazy. There is literally differences in how they tell stories. Um, uh, but secondly, I think it's... Personally, I find knowing this information helps me uh, because at the very least, I can go in to one of these movies and know what to expect. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to go into Akira again expecting that... Yeah, like you're going to go into Akira again. Yeah, <laughs> Fair, fair <laughs> but I'm not going to expect that it's about Akira, <laughs> like it is. But like it's, you know, I'm not going to expect to find out about Akira's motivation or about where is Akira as a person. No, you need to go you in know. and figure out what Akira means as a whole to society. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like, if I think if I expect that going in, I'm going to be happier. I'm going to have a better time. Yeah, you know. Um. Yeah, I think that's basically. Effectively, this entire episode is me saying, I'm not crazy, screw you guys. <laughs> what I got from this episode is that uh, you're bad at storytelling because you're a child of divorce. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's probably the best takeaway. And I can't think of a better way to end the episode, frankly. Uh, do you have any other thoughts? Or no, gonna, I'm yeah, good. No, that was, that was perfect. Slam dunk. All right. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. <laughs>